God will give us his mind on our circumstance, on our troubles, on our direction, on our family and on our future. God's mind will be imparted to us through Jesus because we are sons and daughters. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Will you turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2? And we're actually going to read verse 11 through 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who was from God, who is from God. We've received it today. The Spirit is here right now. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart uh, we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. That's preaching. That's what's happening right now. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish, folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But the spiritual person judges all things but is himself judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about Jesus, the genius. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is a genius. Turn to your other neighbor and say, but we have the mind of Christ. Truth is that we receive the mind of Christ. This is what Paul is speaking about to the Corinthians. We receive the mind of Christ through the Spirit of God. And all of that is for the glory of God. That we would live lives, make decisions, have lifestyles that bring glory to God. But we don't even know what brings glory to God unless we get the mind of God. And the only way we can get the mind of God is by having the Spirit of God. And the only way we can get the Spirit of God is through the blood of Jesus. So through salvation, God gives us the Spirit. Through the Spirit, we receive the mind, thinking, patterns, way of Christ. And through that, we begin to live a life that looks like Christ, that acknowledges Christ, and that glorifies Christ. This begins to change the very fabric of our own thinking. The way we used to live, we do not live that way anymore. How we used to talk, we no longer talk that way anymore. The way we used to make decisions and react, we are increasingly changing that. And, and, and people might even say, what are you? You're trying to be religious? I'm not trying to be anything. I'm receiving something. It's the mind of Christ. And it's beginning to shift my mind. When you come to Christ, you get a new perspective. You begin to think differently and act differently, not because you're supposed to, but because of who he is. And the more you know him, the more you know how to be like him, the more you receive what he knows. We have the mind of Christ. And the truth is, man's problems 
require God's solutions. There are things in this world that you are going to come up against in your life that are going to be increasingly difficult. And if you have to approach everything only with your own mind, will, and emotions, you will fall short. But the good news is that we have a good God that came to impart his mind to us. And Jesus is brilliant. He's brilliant. He is the most wise man to ever walk the face of the earth. He is the greatest mind the world has ever seen. He, he, he is greater than all of the philosophers that came before him and after him. Socrates, uh, Plato, Aristotle could not compare to the brilliance of the mind of Christ. The great leaders that came before him and after him are incomparable to him. If you think of the Caesars and, and, and the Charlemagnes and, and Napoleon, one of, my greatest, one, of, one of my favorite quotes from Napoleon is towards the end of his life where he says, we who came before Jesus, the great leaders, rested our genius upon sheer force. But Jesus was such a great man, he established his kingdom in hearts. Not steel, not stone, not sword. And his spirit spans the globe. His kingdom spans the globe. It crosses borders in time. And on this day, billions of people gather, not just to, not just to hear about Jesus, but to worship Jesus. There's no other mind that has produced such loyalty. There's no other mind that has established such power and, 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 and has, has created such a unique thing that you and I, we have brothers and sisters that we've never met in India and in Africa and in China. And we're not united by a flag and we're not united by race. We're, we're united by blood because we're part of a kingdom. And we begin to think alike. We could even recognize, oh, you, you do that too. It's because we have the mind of Christ. Greater than any scientist who's ever lived. Greater than any official. Jesus' mind is unlike any other mind. At 12 years old, he was in the temple of Jerusalem, which is the epicenter of religion of the world. It's where people would travel from all over the world to discuss the things that matter. And there he is in the temple at the epicenter with the leaders, the lawyers, the scribes, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and they're all around him. And he's asking questions that are so wise, they're amazed. They're shocked. Because see, the kind of questions you ask says a lot about you. A lot about what you're into, a lot about your depth. And they're blown away at the depth of this child at 12 years old, arguing with the foremost religious leaders. When he spoke, people were astonished, the Bible says. Never have we heard a man speak like this. He doesn't speak like the Pharisees. He speaks with authority. When he speaks, things change. And yet, everyone could understand him. From the poorest to the richest, those in Herod's courts to those in the farmer's fields, they could understand Jesus. So his brilliance was not only for the narrow, the few, or the elite. And even today, in every tribe, tongue, and language, his parables are being spoken about. They're universal and eternal. This is brilliance. And the Pharisees thought, well, we can come up against him. 
The Pharisees sought, the Bible said, over and over to trap him, to catch him, to cause him to stumble. It was almost like they were in a chess match with Jesus. And you know the purpose of chess is to trap them and take their king. And that was what the Pharisees were trying to do. They were trying to trap Jesus and topple the king. Over and over, they thought, we will expose him. But he was so brilliant, they didn't realize they were outmatched. They were outgunned. And Jesus just kept them in check. 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 You ever play someone in chess that's way better than you? Check. Well, check. Well, if you do that, I'm going to do that. If you do that, I'm going to do that. If you do this, I'm going to do that. Well, what if I, you don't want to do that. They were outmatched. I mean, there was one time when they, they came into a mental matchup with Jesus in the book of Matthew. And the Pharisees, the, the, the lawyers, the purveyors of dead religion, they come with an accusation because the enemy always comes with an accusation, especially to those that are moving in the kingdom of God. Well, Jesus had just cast out demons, and, and they came with this accusation in Matthew 12. Well, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. That's their accusation against God. They're calling him a son of Satan, a servant of Satan. This is their premise. No, no, you can only do that because Satan has allowed you. Well, let's look at Jesus' Jesus's response. Knowing their thoughts... That helps you when you're in an argument. <laughs> Jesus not only knows the physical and the spiritual, he knows the metaphysical. Yes. Knowing their thoughts, he says to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and no city or house divided against itself will stand. So now this is Jesus's counter premise and, and his premise is that division always brings destruction. Simply. And, 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 and he says, therefore, a house divided against itself could not possibly continue on. This is the phrase that Abraham Lincoln would invoke thousands of years later when speaking to our nation as he tried to exercise the demon of slavery, that oppressive force, saying, we cannot live like this going forward, eventually we'll, we will fall. Where did he get such brilliance but from the mind of Jesus? And then Jesus goes on to expose their logical fallacy. He says this, and if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How will his kingdom stand? What, is he, what he's saying is, why would Satan help get rid of the satanic? That's the face I think he made. <laughs> Your logic is flawed. But he goes on. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Spoiler alert, they don't. What is, <laughs> what is he doing? He's saying, you have no standing to make that accusation. You've got no authority. You've got only criticism, which is to find a perceived flaw but offer no solution. He's exposing the fact that you can't even do this. How are you going to tell me how I'm doing it? 
genius. This is brilliant. And now he checkmates him. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He brought them from an accusation that he serves Satan to the realization that he is the son of God and that he is, a, he is establishing a kingdom of God and that he has authority within that kingdom and that demons cannot stand within that kingdom and that people are set free within that kingdom and that freedom are, is delivered within that kingdom and that that kingdom is here and now and for you. He brings them to the brink of truth, but they have to step over that. They have to acknowledge it. They have to accept the truth that Jesus just delivered. And, and the, I guess the question is, why don't they? Why do so many people miss the truth of the gospel? Why do so many people reject the reality of Christ? Why even, and, and, and I think this is, this is a relevant question, why even do people remain willingly ignorant to obvious truths? Why do they remain willingly ignorant to God? Like, the, uh, the reality is that they don't deny God, they just won't serve Him. It was clear to the Pharisees, this is something real. And Jesus brought them even through the logic of it and says, the kingdom is now upon you. So now they have to face the truth and make a choice. And I think that many times that's the reason why people won't serve God, not because they don't know the truth, but that the choice is too difficult. What they would have to give up, what they would have to let go, it's too much of a sacrifice. I believe the honest reason why people won't serve a God that they do believe in is because they're serving another God. The Pharisees were serving. They were already under a different master. They were serving the God of religion. They took the law, which is supposed to bring us to Christ, and they made the law an idol. They made the law their God. And before we judge them too harshly, we've got to recognize this is what we do. This is what we do all the time. We make gods out of things that should be good, but when they become their ma your master, they become terrible. We make gods out of money. We make gods out of power. We make gods out of sex. We make gods out of greed. We make gods out of influence, specifically this generation. We make gods out of relevance. Really, we make gods out of the God of this age. And it's not that we don't believe God. Well, they use words like agnostic. I'm a, I'm a believer. I, I understand God. I, I, God, maybe not church. They, 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 they don't deny God. They just won't serve him. Well, hold on. Why is that? It's because there's another idol that you are serving in the place of God. Anything that takes priority over God is idolatry. Anything. And, and Jesus brings the Pharisees right to the face of truth. And yet, they can't admit they're wrong and choose to turn away from their old way and serve Jesus. Another time, the Pharisees came to match up with Jesus. They brought a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. The Bible says the very act. And they throw her at the feet of Jesus. And there's a huge crowd all around. 
And they accuse her, because that's what they do best. And they say, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. They, they go, continue to say, the law of Moses says she must be stoned to death. And we believe the law of Moses. But teacher, what do you say? Now this is a catch-22. Because Jesus can't deny the law, because he can't deny himself. And Jesus gave the law, and the law is good. So what does he do? But yet, is Jesus going to condemn this woman to die, especially when she's being used as a pawn in their game? It's not about the law. They're using the law that God gave against the God that gave the law. That's how low humanity can sink to in sin, trying to trap God to his face. What does Jesus do? He ignores him. <laughs> Reaches down in the sand. I love that because just because you want to make a giant deal doesn't mean I have to react like you want me to react. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Be humble. I think it's so funny that Jesus ignores him. So they start harassing him, pressing him, pushing him. Finally, he stands up and he, he says, okay. It's true that she does deserve death, but you, who are without sin, cast the first stone. See, her sin was public and everyone knew it. Their sin was private, but Jesus knew it. Whoever's without sin, you go ahead. You go first. And the Bible says that they dropped their stones and left from the oldest who knew better to the youngest. This woman doesn't even realize they've gone doesn't even realize that, that the rabbi has protected her until there's no one around. And Jesus says, woman, where are thine accusers? Who's left? And she looks and says, no one, Lord. And now, now this is the fateful moment because he is the judge and he is righteous. You who is without sin cast the first stone. They couldn't, but he could. And it would have been righteous. But now God takes the punishment upon himself See, the crucifixion was taking her stoning. Neither do I condemn you. Go now and sin no more. And what God does in his brilliance, his kindness, and his mercy is he covers the woman that was publicly shamed. And he exposes the men that were trying to shame her. They exposed her sin publicly. So God exposes them to admit their own sin publicly. But then he forgives publicly this woman that was just exposed. And so she gets up and leaves forgiven, whereas they walk away in their own sin. Jesus hits them with the Uno reverse card. <laughs> what you thought you were going to do happened to you. Gotcha. And she walks away. <laughs> in celebration, better off than the men that dragged her there. Because if you're going to be brought anywhere by the law, be brought to the feet of Jesus, who chooses not condemnation, but grace. Jesus handles this situation like no one else, no one else could. But, but Paul writes to us, you can think like this. He says, but you, we have the mind of Christ. And what he's saying is that God's brilliance is available to us. 
Because there will be accusations that come against you constantly. Constantly. If they came against him, they'll come against you. But we have the mind of Christ. Just because there's an accusation doesn't mean it's the end. Just because there's a thought or a feeling or even a failure does not mean it's the end. God can show you his mind on the matter. He can open a door that you did not see. He could turn the perspective of this thing like a diamond when it's turned you see different facets of life. You might of light you might think there's only one way but God can turn that thing and he can begin to show you another view, another angle, another way to see the world his brilliance is available to you and I. Consider, consider how much of your mindset you gained from your family. Think about how much they formed, the way you talk, the way you move, the way you laugh, what you find funny, what you're into, your passions, your whole development of how you think you got from your father and your mother. I mean, as you get older, some of you are finding out how much you got from your father and mother. You got stuff you didn't even want to get. You ever find yourself saying something to your kids that you swore you'd never say? Then you look at the mirror and you have an existential crisis. Who am I? What have I become? The truth is, you know how your father thinks. You know how your mother thinks. For me, I, I could tell you my dad's opinion on anything. On anything. I've heard all the stories many times. I've been there for almost all of the sermons from my life. I, I've, I've heard the illustrations. I've been around the people. Even when he would talk to others, I'd be in the backseat listening. And, and the, the reality is, you know, if, if, if you want to know what my dad would think about something, ask me, because I'll get pretty close. And this is what Jesus is saying. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is why Jesus can deliver the mind of Christ, because he knew the will of God. He knew the mind of God. And what's even better than that is now because we are children of God, we through Christ can receive the mind on all the matters that we have in our life. God will give us his mind on our circumstance, on our troubles, on our condemnations and convictions, on our direction, on our family and on our future. God's mind will be imparted to us through Jesus because we are sons and daughters of the King. And, and here's God's goal for us. He wants to develop the framework for our thinking so that it would reflect our Heavenly Father. I hope you can begin to develop not just, not just one thought per item, but how to think. The framework of thinking, you would receive that from God for your life. So my question for you today is, are you open to the thoughts of God? Are you wanting? Are you desiring? Are you asking? Are you thinking? Do you want to think like he thinks? Walk like he walks? Because he'll impart his mind. Even more than that, he'll give you the framework, but you have to be open and asking and seeking. Ask, Jesus says. Seek, Jesus says. Knock, Jesus says. In other words, you're going to have to persevere forward in this thing to get the mind of Christ. But if you desire to receive the mind of Christ, God will give it. And there's three ways I want to highlight that God gives us the mind of Christ. The first, how to receive the mind of Christ is to seek it in prayer and fasting. This is what you've been doing already 
this week. You have been seeking the mind of God on the matters for your life. See, when you pray, prayer is an open invitation for God to reveal his mind to you. God, what do you think about this? Hey, God, what do we feel about this? No, really, it's what does he feel about it. But what, I'm in this too. What, what do we feel about this? What do you think about that? Was that an odd? Have you, ever, have, you ever, have you ever had God bring like a thought to you from a conversation you had like, like days later? You know, and you think, oh, that was an odd. Con- Why did they say that? Why, why did they say that? Sometimes that's the Holy Spirit saying there's something going on there. You know, something going on there. That's not your mind. That's God's mind. And maybe it's for you to pray for that person. Maybe it's for you to say something to that person. Maybe it's because God wants to send you as a warning to that person. I don't know. The re- there's, there's so many different reasons, but God will let you in on things that you couldn't know. But he knows the thoughts, the actions, the intent. He knows all. And sometimes he'll come alongside you and say, think about that thing. Or sometimes you'll say something. And all of a sudden you'll say, why did I say that? I said it. Therefore, it came from my mind. But I don't actually believe that. I don't agree with that. You ever say something you don't agree with? <laughs> I don't agree with that. <laughs> you just said it. <laughs> Sometimes that's God saying, my mind doesn't, doesn't think like that. I don't talk like that. I don't speak like that. I don't agree with that. And the Holy Spirit will come alongside you and say, hey. And if you're open, he'll come alongside and say, hey, hey, pull that move back. That, that's not you. That's not me. Prayer is an open invitation for God to reveal his mind to you so that we can receive the mind of Christ through the Spirit to live a life that glorifies God. But you must ask. If you don't ask, this is simply it. God doesn't give. If you don't ask, God doesn't give. The Bible says present your requests before the Lord. And let me put it this way. You and I are called to prayerfully consider every circumstance. Pause and pray. And I guarantee you God will give you solutions to problems that your own mind could not solve could not solve. Allow the dew of heaven to begin to drip onto your mind. You'll wake up with solutions and you'll think it was rest. It was God. God will give you right words to say. I don't even know why in a conversation I should say this to my boss, but God knows everything that's going on and he'll give you the words to say. Even God says when you are brought before officials in government, uh, people in high office, don't even plan what you're going to say because it's not going to be that good. I'll give you the words to say. When you are in important conversations and meetings, I know of a, of a pastor, actually one of the pastors of our church, our oversized pastor Jude, he was trying to get a job one time and it was a job that he, was in, he said completely unqualified for. But he said, I went home and I prayed. And there were, I think he was saying, there were many interviews, seven, eight interviews in a row. And when he got towards the end, he was praying, God, give me the answers. And he would begin to write down just thoughts that he had. He got into the interview and every question they asked him, he had already written down thoughts that he received by God's presence, by his spirit. And they said, how did you prepare for this interview? He said, they would have never known. I fasted and I prayed. And I got the job because God will help you along in life. He'll give you better answers to tough questions, solutions to things your mind can't solve. He'll come alongside you. But the caveat is you got to prayerfully consider. You got to watch where you're going to walk. You got to invite him to be a part of you taking the next step. This is how you receive the mind of God. Another way you receive the mind of God is when you search the word. When you search scriptures, the word of the Lord is the wisdom of God on all matters. Everything you need to know is found in the word of God. The word of God talks about money 
and marriage, forgiveness, loss. It talks about honor and justice, loyalty, friendship. It talks about anxiety and divorce. It talks about death. It talks about children, parents. It talks about everything you would need to know. It talks about government. It talks about God. It talks about past. It talks about future. It exposes present. It exposes spiritual. It exposes all. Everything you need to know is found in the Word of God. It is the wisdom of God on all matters. And when you know the Word, you begin to be unstoppable. Even Satan himself, if he came and tempted you in the wilderness, could not stop you if you knew the Word. After 40 days of fasting, Satan came to Jesus and he began to tempt him. And Jesus' reply wasn't his own mind. It was the mind of the Father. Everything that Satan tempted him. One of the temptations was that Jesus would turn these stones into bread. And I gotta be honest with you, I never thought that was very much of a temptation. <laughs> but Jesus was fasting 40 days and 40 nights, only water. I've only been Daniel fasting for 14 days, and I understand the temptation now. If I had bread turning power, Everything would be bread. Rocks would be bread. My car would be bread. I just have bread everywhere. That's a true temptation. I didn't realize it because I, I haven't fasted like that. No, I have, but I didn't. Okay, so I have fasted. Not 40 days, 40 nights with water. One day, maybe we'll all be that holy. What did Jesus reply? It is written. In other words, he applied the word of God to the specific situation. That's powerful because it's not just enough to know the word. You have to know the word for every circumstance. So you need to know a lot of the word. You need to be in the word. Fresh manna is what you need. You don't need rocks into bread. You need fresh manna. Remember what he said to his disciples. I have food. You don't even know. What's he talking about? He's talking about the word of God doing the will of my father. I'm trying to tell you there are temptations that will come against you that cannot with that could overcome you, but could not withstand the word within you. So you need to know the word, not just for you, but for every circumstance you come up against. It is written, is overwhelmingly powerful. And you can apply it to every circumstance. When you know the word, you know the way. When you know the word, you know the way. The last, the last point I wanna, I wanna speak to you about on receiving the mind of God is that you would stay sensitive to the spirit. Romans chapter eight, verse six says, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Have you noticed that you've gotten smarter since you've been saved? You ever, you ever reflect on that? Have you ever noticed that you're making better decisions? That your life is becoming more stable? that things are beginning to come into, I'm not saying perfect, but, but I am saying better, different. That God is beginning to change the way you operate. It's because the mind controlled by the spirit produces life, not death, not anger, not vitriol, not violence, not desecration, not degradation, but life and peace. God's goal is to give you a mind that produces a life like that. The way of the world is to react out of your emotions, underhanded dealings, stealing from others, cutting the line. 
Get your own way. High priority of you. The way of the world is you first. But it never produces life and it never produces peace. But the walk, to walk in the Spirit is intentional and it's informed and it's the will of God and the Spirit comes alongside of you and the Spirit brings wisdom. And wisdom brings all its cousins. Wisdom doesn't show up alone. Wisdom brings all its cousins. Wisdom brings discernment. It brings insight. It brings foresight. It brings strategy. You begin, to be, you begin to make better decisions. Your marriage begins to be more stable. You know how to admit wrong, get humility, begin to walk in faith. Your words begin to improve. You get a sharpness and clarity of your mind. What is all this coming from? The Spirit of God. It begins to shift your mind and gives you the mind of God. If you're open to receive it, this is what you'll get. I want to tell you one last story in, in closing. There's a legend about Alexander the Great when he came to a town called Gordium. They had a knot there that was twisted many years before in the Temple of Zeus. And the legend went that an oracle said whoever could untie the knot would become the ruler of all of Asia. Of course, this is in the middle of the conquests of Alexander the Great, and his goal was to rule all of Asia. So he went up to the knot, and for many hours he tried to untie it, but it was gnarled, and it was twisted, and, and he, so many people that had come before had only made it tighter and tighter and tighter. This knot could not be broken. Until finally Alexander the Great drew his sword, and in one swift slice he cut the knot open and untied the knot, the Gordian knot. There are going to be issues and problems that you face in life as you walk into all that God has you to conquer that are very tight, twisted, and gnarled. You are gonna have to fight through some very difficult circumstances. And they are not gonna be easily solved or readily apparent. There are gonna be things that, that are all connected to each other. And, and, and sometimes we don't even know where the end starts or, 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 or the, the, the beginning ends. It's, it's all like a rat's nest. And, and, you, and you can't untangle your emotions from your past and your decisions from your future. And, and you don't know the right way. And, 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 and you're going to face some difficult things that maybe even many other people that came before you could not figure out. They couldn't untie. Maybe your families, your forebears, they could not solve how to not get divorced. They could not solve how to raise kids. They could not solve how to not have a poverty mindset. They could not solve how to love Jesus. They, they couldn't figure this thing out. And now you come, and this, this tangled web of decisions is before you, and you're going to have to figure out how to solve these things. But I've got good news for you. You've got a sword. It's called the sword of the Spirit. And it will slice through things that other people could not have solved for millennia before. God will say, there's a new way to look at this thing. You've got a new mind. There's another perspective. And you can slice through the things that have stopped so many other people. And I believe that will further you into the area of conquest of your life. I believe that you can receive the mind of Christ through the Spirit of God that you would live lives for the glory of God. Jesus is a genius, but he imparts it to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. 
We'll see you soon.